Amen. Okay, open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. We have been doing something called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a series that we've been walking through, and we're kind of calling it the Way of Jesus. Because there's so much that gets intertwined in here of Jesus' words. He's preaching. This is like his big sermon that he's giving, one of, I'm sure, many. Uh, The scholars say that this was probably over multiple days. It probably wasn't just one time where he sat down and said all these things at once. Uh, And the writers of the Gospels have some summaries sort of of this Sermon on the Mount. And we've been walking through verse by verse. And the reason why we're doing that is because it helps us to not avoid issues that the Bible talks about just because they're uncomfortable or because we don't want to talk about them. And so last week, we talked about adultery. We talked about adultery of the heart and what that means and what that looks like and what sin really is and the progression of sin and that whole sin progression, how we can ask those questions we were just talking about at the break, where we begin to say, I know I'm doing this or I'm acting in this way, but why? And we begin to ask ourselves and begin to ask the Lord to invite him in to that issue, invite him into that challenge. And we begin to ask the Lord why and why. And sometimes we've got to do it two or three times to really get to the root of the reason why we're acting a certain way. Many of the times the, ways we, the way we're acting and what we're doing really has nothing to do with that in particular thing, but it's something deeper and that God wants to show us and to be able to reveal to us. So we walked through that last week. And now the next portion of scripture uh, here is regarding, this is going to be regarding marriage. And it's sort of linked in with the sexual immorality that was sort of talked about last week as well. But I'm calling this message, Reverse the Curse. Reverse the Curse. How many know that Jesus came to reverse the curse? Come on, church. Jesus came to reverse the So all of the curse, all the challenges, all the things that we have seen and experienced and do, Jesus has faced them, but he came and died and then defeated death and rose from the grave so that we too with him and in his power can also defeat the curse with him. And so there's this interesting scripture here. I'm going to read through it. This is out of, starting in verse 31, Matthew 5. It says, furthermore, it has been said... Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason, except sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. We're like, whoa, 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 wait a second. This is, we live in, this, like, this does this apply to America? Right? Does this apply to the... What, what is Jesus talking about here? And how do I wrap my head around this? And I want to spend a few moments on this in particular passage. And then I want to talk more about what God's intention is for marriage. Because we could sit here and talk about divorce all day long. But really, the root of it is, the root of all of this is a strong and healthy marriage is what God intends and what God desires. So it's pretty clear in the scripture. You can see it from the beginning to the end. God does not want divorce. He doesn't want divorce. And all through the Bible, he talks about the sanctity of marriage and the importance of marriage. It's a bond. It's a covenant before the Lord. It's this analogy of the Bible that Jesus used and Paul does in his writing. He equates Jesus as the bridegroom and the church as the bride. So this idea of marriage, and you would ever think, like, wait a second, you can't separate Jesus from the church. And all along, you can see God formulates in this this thought of a marriage and a binding between two how important it is. 
Throughout the Bible, God teaches us a few things regarding marriage. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these, but I have a chart up here that has a few things on marriage. Number one, God calls it to be lifelong. He calls it to be covenantal. It's an agreement, and it's, a, it's a, this covenant between two people. He calls it to be monogamous. He calls it to be between a male and a female. He calls for two to become one flesh. He calls it uniquely created in God's image. And he calls out multiple times what God joins together. Let no one separate. Powerful, powerful, powerful words all throughout the Bible that you see regarding marriage. And I see this thing that's uniquely created in God's image. And I love this piece of it because as as people, we have the ability to create an eternal being. We are the only thing that God has created that can create an eternal being that can be with him forever. It's this eternal being. It's when two become one and two people act when, and when you ha- actually have a baby. So this amazing thing that God has formed and he has put together to create this. And what I want to do is I'm going to spend a little bit of time about going back to the Garden of Eden. And what was God's original intent for marriage? What, what, did, it, what did it look like when he was just like, you know what? Let's start this thing out. Let's get a man and a woman. Let's put them in. What does that look like in the Bible? And then what happened? And then what the challenges are of that? And then what Jesus has done for us on the other side. But just quickly on divorce. Look, Jesus goes into this here because these are related passages from last week. And the Bible talks about certificates of divorce. They're mentioned several times in the Bible. It's in Deuteronomy. It's in Isaiah. It's in Jeremiah. It's later on in Matthew. It's in Mark. And this certificate was stated for a couple different reasons regarding divorce, but I am not going to get into those things. Jesus' primary teaching on divorce is what God joins together, let no man separate. But as you know, there is challenges because there are two people that come together. And when two people come together, and one's flesh and the other one's flesh, there are challenges. There's challenges and there's situations and there's circumstances. And many people, even in this room, have been divorced for many different reasons, even other than adultery. But what does this mean? So does this mean that scripture that we just read, does it mean now that I'm remarried? Am I committing adultery? What, what does Jesus mean for all this? Look, I totally believe that God works all things together for good. He works all things together for good. And anyone who is in this room who has previously been divorced know that God doesn't want divorce. And that that type of thing that people go through is very, very painful. It's very challenging and it's very painful. But I believe that God does work all things together for good, that he is a redemptive God. He is a redemptive God. And even if there was a divorce in the past, and what Jesus is saying... Ultimately, he wants us to reconcile. That is God's first and primary goal for every marriage is reconciliation. But when it doesn't get there, for whatever reason, whatever the circumstance and the challenges are, as even the Bible has said, he will bless that new covenant. He will bless that new marriage. And I believe that you can see that all throughout the scripture that that is God's plan and purpose in marriage itself. Let me say a few things uh, on marriage itself. Look, every marriage has a story. Every marriage has circumstance. Every marriage, two people come together and bring the baggage from their past. And we know that's real. We know that it happens. I would say this, and I want to make sure I say this at least once and then again also at the end, 
that we as a church, as your leadership team, do not all, we also believe that neglect and abuse should not be tolerated in the marriage covenant. Neglect and abuse should not be tolerated in the marriage covenant. And if you're here this morning and you are married and you are having challenges in your marriage, I'm looking right at everybody out here and I will say, tell someone. Tell someone. Because Jesus does not want us to go through this alone. Jesus wants us to invite him in to our marriages. He wants to invite him in to that covenant. But what I'm telling you right now is I am encouraging you to get help. I'm encouraging you to get counseling. I am encouraging you to take the bold steps, the uncomfortable steps, to reach out to someone. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's the church. Wherever. Do not continue to try to struggle and to work it out all by yourself, all alone. So I'd encourage you to get help and get counseling. This, the divorce rate in the church really is not a whole lot more different than the world, but I believe that God gives us some instructions to help us in this way. And this title of the message is called Reverse the Curse. And I gave a portion of this message, the foundational part of this is actually from Pastor Dan Backins of One Focus Network. Uh, he gave us, he, we did a marriage conference, uh, this is about two years ago now, this one in particular, and he gave this message about God's original intention for marriage, what the curse did, and then what the new covenant, what Jesus did for our marriages. And I think it's very, very enlightening and eye-opening. And I talked about it a little bit a couple years ago, but I just felt in my spirit that it was something that we need to address and talk about today because the Bible talks about divorce, but it also talks a lot about marriage, and I want to put this in this context of the scriptures. So Genesis 1, turn with me to Genesis 1, and I want to read starting in verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion, them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God's original intention in his creation is bringing a man and woman together to, to do what? To rule together. This wasn't a one is better than the other. One is more powerful than the other in some way. One is more this, one is more that. He clearly designs this thing, God clearly designs this thing as together, supportive, walking hand in hand, completely unified, and in unity in a covenant between two people, a man and a woman. That is God's original intent for marriage. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many of you don't walk that out or live that out every single day in your life? Right? This is the reality of what we face because this was actually before the fall. If where, you, where I'm reading this is this is before sin entered the earth. So this is God's original intent, his original design. And then let's look at Genesis 2, verse 18. This is where God is recounting now the creation of woman. And the Lord God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper 
comparable, which also means suitable, to balance each other out. That's what that word means, a comparable person to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them, whatever Adam called each living creature was their name. So Adam gave the names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, the beasts of the fields. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him, suitable to balance each other out. And the Lord, caused, or the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place, and the rib which the Lord had taken out of the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. In verse 23, and it, Adam then said this, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because out of a man, because she was taken out of a man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. So if you look at that in the context of that, what God is doing, what he is creating, he is creating a couple. He is creating a marriage covenant. He's creating a man and a woman together as one, not ashamed, comparable, suitable for one another, perfectly knit together. Again, this is before the fall. Called to do it together. Better together. They are called to have dominion together. This is God's original intent, his original design. And then an enemy came. And it's interesting that the enemy's first and foremost goal was to put distance between the man and the woman. His ultimate goal was for them to have distance between them and God. But the enemy, Satan, the devourer, the stealer, the liar, his ultimate intent was to break a separation between God and people and between a marriage covenant. Look at this in Genesis 3. So Genesis 3 is occurring. This is after the sin in the garden. This is after they've taken the apple, they've eaten the apple, whatever fruit it was. Uh, We think it's an apple, although it doesn't say that. And it says this. Now this is God speaking to both Adam and Eve. To the woman he said, now this is God's original intent, sin, and now here is the challenge that we all face in marriage. Are you ready? To the woman he said, you will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. All the ladies were like, psh, yup. Okay. And your desire shall be for your husband. So I'm going to stop there for a second. Like, oh, that's like a good thing. Hold on a second. This is God speaking about the curse now. So let me, let me break down this word and what it really means, this meaning of desire. It's not like, oh, look at, you know, the man walks around, ooh, she desiring me. I'm looking good today. I got my skinny jeans on. You know, I got my fancy sweater on. I know you like this color of this sweater, right? So it's like, is that what that means? Is it means that the woman now is just going to walk around just looking at me with her eyes sparkling? Oh, babe, you're so handsome. So gorgeous today. No, this is, we're talking about the curse here for a second. Now, does she do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. She thinks I'm super hot, love it. Anyway, but here's the deal. This, we're talking about the curse here. So this says, it's a desire shall be for your husband. This is not a blessing. 
This is the curse. The breakdown of this word actually means a desire to control. Ooh, that's the flesh. The curse that was put on by sin, by our flesh, for the woman was a desire to control the man. Now, do we know that this this doesn't ever happen in today's society, right? We all have perfect marriages, and this is never a temptation of the flesh at all for anybody ever, right? Sure. Not in this church. You know that the next time that this word is mentioned is in relation to Cain and Abel. Remember Cain killed Abel? Remember this story? And this is, a, this is the word that was given that Cain, it's like sin is crouching for you. A desire to tempt, to hurt, to control. Wow, that's what that word means. And you're like, that's, that's pretty tough. And then he goes and says, well, guess what, men? You're going to have a challenge here as well. You don't get to do this. this. Because of the sin, because of the fall, you now also have a challenge. And it says, then he shall rule over you. So now Adam's desire is to rule over and to dominate and to be in command of the woman. And you shall do this and you shall do that. And you shall submit to me in the way, you know, in submission in a different term and actually how it's intended. So this is, again, if you haven't noticed in society, from the beginning of time, have women not been put down by men? Absolutely. Look at it through all society. It happens. I mean, it's crazy if you read history of how women have been treated by men because of the flesh, because of the sin, because of the fall. It's man's now desire and the curse to rule over the woman. And so now I got a man who wants to rule over the woman. You better do what I say. You better do this. And the woman's desire is to control the man. Mm-mm. you better do that, you better do that, you got this, you got that, I don't understand why you're doing this and that, let me show you how to do this better, that, right, so you're like, whoa, this is a dynamic that the fall has created. How many, don't, don't everybody give an amen on this one, okay, we're talking marriage today, no amens, be like, no, you know, none of these, uh-huh, you're working in the flesh, honey, you know, like, no, no elbow pushes here this morning. But this is what the fall has caused. So this curse, look at this. The desire of the old man, the desire of the old woman, the flesh. Woman's desire to control the man, and man's desire is to dominate the woman. That is inherently wired in our flesh. And how many of you know, praise the Lord, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, are now spirit beings. Well, we're all spirit beings, but our spirit man now can be in control and take charge over our flesh and is a very intentional thing. So if left unattended, if left without seeking the Lord, inviting Jesus in, this is what will occur in marriage. It's almost like the default unless you do something different. Like this is where you're headed. This is what's going to happen. Now, every marriage is different. The dynamics of every marriage is different. And these words that I'm putting up here, you're contextualized. You're like, well, that's not really how, you know, my marriage ended or this or that. Or I'm the struggling I'm having right now is not. What I'm saying is this is what the Bible says is the curse that's on flesh in a marriage. But how many can say thank you for Jesus? Come on. (laughs) Thank you for Jesus. 
Because he has come to reverse the curse. It is Jesus that has come. And we're going to see here in a passage in the new scripture that when Jesus is invited in and Jesus and, and the Apostle Paul begin to teach us on what marriage really looks like in the new covenant on the other side when the flesh is not in control and when our spirit man is in control, we can have a healthy, loving, fruitful marriage. Colossians 3. Let's go to Colossians 3. And I'm going to read it first out of the uh, New King James Version, and then I want to show you the Amplified Version, because I believe it adds, uh, well, it always adds more color. That's what the Amplified is. It amplifies it. Uh, but it talks a little bit more about what this actually looks like. So it says here in Colossians 3, it says, Wives, I know this feels like a bad word. Bear with me. Wives, submit to your own husbands as in fitting to the Lord. So guys, this is actually not a bad word. This is a redemptive reversal of control. What do we just say? What is the actual, the actual challenge of the flesh for, for, for a woman in this case is control. The actual opposite of that is, a, is submissive, is a submitted spirit to this thing. But it's also, it says, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting. This does not mean, well, I'm just going to have to submit and do whatever he says whenever he says it. It's as is fitting unto the Lord. Which means when the Lord is in control and the Lord is working in your marriage, there is an actually a desire for the woman to want to be in this relationship where the two are one. They're taking dominion together and they're actually in this mutually submissive relationship to each other. That's what the New Testament talks about. That's what the New Testament teaches on marriage. This goes against this instinct of control. And then husbands, it says, love your wives. What is love but to lay down one's life? And do not be bitter towards them. Don't act, another version says, don't act harshly to them. But husbands, we have to actually lay down our lives in love for our spouse. Again, because what did the flesh want to do? Mm. This is my house. I'm in control of this place. <laughs> She's laughing. <laughs> I actually don't do that. Uh, but I could. Right? It would be bad. Right? But this is like this inherent desire of the flesh would be this. But what Jesus, after Jesus, in this New Testament relationship and covenant we have from him, when we invite him, he says, husbands... Look, the curse is reversed. We now can have power because of Jesus over the flesh. And we can now say, we can now love our wives as they need to be loved. Uh, Glenn, pull up the amplified version. I think this is so good. And if you take anything away, you can take this scripture away because I think it's, it sums up, I don't know, it sums up marriage really to me. Uh, just this, this one scripture here. Wives, be subject to your husbands. It's another, the submit word is changed in the Amplified. To be subject to your husbands. Look at this. Out of respect for their position as protector and their accountability to God. Mm, boy, doesn't that change from that word? You just read it as submit. You're like, what does that mean? Out of respect for their position as protector, God has placed us as head of the household, and their accountability to God. As is right and fitting and your proper duty in the Lord. And then verse 19, look at the color it gives for husbands here. I'm going to stay on this for a moment, men. 
Husbands, look at this. Husbands, love your wives. What does that mean? With an affectionate, sympathetic, selfless love that always seeks the best for them. Wow. Man, if we actually did that, we actually invited Jesus in to help us to love that way, it's amazing what will change in our marriages and in our relationships. This is the new covenant, church. This is the new way. So this new blessing, the blessing, so we had the curse, but the blessingness, the desire of the new man, of the redeemed man, of the one who's been changed by Jesus, he can help us when we invite him in, is the man's desire now is to serve or to love the woman. And the woman's desire is to, and this word submit or be subject or actually respect is maybe even a better word to put there, is the desire to respect the man. And I tell you men, as the Lord has ordained it, for whatever reason, this is how he set it up, but this desire for the woman to submit or to be subject or to respect actually comes secondary to the man showing love first. Sorry, men. <laughs> That's the way it is. And a woman can do those things, but I tell you what, it is easier and it's more natural and it becomes a beautiful cycle when the man takes the lead and begins to do the things that God has called him to do. So the goal for us is to get back to the garden. You remember what the garden looked like? Remember how we talked about it here in Genesis 1? To get back to the garden, which is partnership, togetherness, dominion together, and this idea of this mutual submission. One is not better than the other. Two are equally yoked, and together they are better together. Amen? Amen. Uh, Sid, if you could come up here for a moment. I have some other things that I was thinking about sharing, but I don't think I'm going to share them today. Um, And here's the thing, church. I believe that You know, I I was talking to somebody not that long ago, and we're talking about, well, I'm going to speak and talk about sin, and then we're going to talk about marriages and the challenge, and they're like, well, that's not really talked about that much in the church. Guys, our percentages is not much better than the world, and it would say that we as, as church, we have to understand. We have to be taught. We have to be inviting Jesus into every relationship in our life, in every area of our life, Because what is God's ultimate goal for us is wholeness. God wants us to be whole. So actually, why don't we have the married couple stand up this morning? Maybe you want to come up. If you're married here this morning, just stand up. If your spouse isn't here, that's okay. The only thing I have to add to this is that a desire to control her husband is rooted in a lack of trust and self-protection. And the fall is where that began, that insecurity 
Am I safe? Am I enough? All of those questions that didn't exist. And then there it was. And so um, that difficulty with the word submission, and really, I'm just going to be honest, is rooted in trust. That's it. It is, it's, it's, it's all about trust. And um, so, men, are you trustworthy and are you safe? <laughs> and your assessment of that is not what matters. It's her assessment. Does she feel safe? And does she feel valued and protected and engaged with, um, important? Because our heart in the spirit and in the, we're no longer under the curse. Jesus became a curse for us. So pain and childbirth, y'all, doesn't have to be. There's so many stories. You do not have to have a childbirth full of pain. I have had one out of eight that was completely pain-free. And it was amazing. The nurses were astounded. I was astounded. I knew that something special was happening. Um, because we are redeemed from the curse. But in that redemption, when a woman feels safe and valued and seen and wanted, there's nothing she won't do. <laughs> nothing. Like her, her desire is for her husband in that godly way. Her desire is to serve, to help, to give, to respect, to talk him up, you know, like all those things. I love that you said it begins with the man because he knows and we know women are responders. It's like, you know, we try sometimes to do the work, um, but it's like no one wants to try to harness their partner and force them in alongside. You can't do it. So um, that's all I had to add was that's, that's how I went from the home I grew up in where it was not a good example at all of marriage and of safety at all. And I remember being in our premarital counseling and Pastor Jack was like, Liz, talk to me about what you think submission is. And he had known our family. So he just was prepared to do some work. And I was like, I think it just means trusting someone enough to, to be able to um, let them lead you and lead with them and not try to control them, not have to be in control yourself, but rather to relinquish control to a mutual space. He's like, good gracious, where did you get that? He's like, that's amazing. Like, that's godly. That's, I was just like, I mean, and to be honest, it was him, it was my pastor who modeled it, who was the, one of the safest, most godly people. And it was him, and it was his wife, and it was the way he led the church with so much humor and love and safety um, and space and grace. That's where I learned it, and um, that's been a hallmark of our marriage. So I just wanted to put that out there, that it really is um, about trusting him enough. And so men, it's trustworthiness comes first. If you have a teenager, you know that talk. You don't trust me. You need to show yourself trustworthy. And then I can trust you. It's something you build together, and it's something that's very mutual in every relationship. Well, those who are uh, not standing, just stretch your hands out to those who, who are. We just want to pray for marriages this morning. You know, we sang a lot about the name of Jesus this morning, and there is no other name. And so we just we want to invite Jesus into our marriages. 
So dear Lord, we just invite you here today. Father, we invite you into every marriage that's in this church, whether they're here or not today, Father God. Lord, I just ask that you would continue to reveal to us our hearts. Lord, show us and teach us the model that you have for us that has joy and peace in the most beautiful, amazing relationship that you have created, Lord. So, Father, we speak to these marriages wholeness. We speak to these marriages healing. We speak to these marriage forgiveness. We speak to these marriages safety. Father, we just invite you in now. We invite you into every marriage covenant and relationship in this place today. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for strengthening the bond between spouses, Lord, today. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Before we close this morning, I also want to, we've been doing this periodically, but we're going to take authority over the enemy right now. Because we can pray to the God and we can invite him in, but he has given us the biblical authority to take that power over the enemy and to put him in his place. So just receive this here today. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna say this affirmation here, or this prayer. I'm gonna just going to say, you don't have to say it back, just receive it today. It says this, it says, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. We bind you today. For it is written, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And because you are bound, Satan, you and all your demonic forces may not come against these marriages in the name of Jesus. Satan, you may not come against these spouses. You may not come against them. Satan, you are bound away from us and our families. And we are covered and cleansed with the blood of Jesus. Satan, you may not steal. You may not kill. You may not destroy us or our property in Jesus' name. And I remind you, Satan, that you are defeated and that we are victorious in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Guys, we have some prayer teams that are going to come up here. Uh, as we close the service. If you need a prayer for anything, maybe it's prayer for your marriage, maybe it's prayer for healing, maybe it's prayer for whatever it might be, I encourage you to come up. But I'm going to read a benediction as we leave here today because when we invite Jesus in, he's able to do immeasurably more than what we could think or imagine. It says this in Ephesians 3, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. We love you guys.